0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman Perks, and welcome back to my favorite time of the week. And as part of the Inspiring Leadership series, I am really delighted to have Major General Alistair Dickinson. And Alistair and I served back in a time when I did look like that, a little bit younger. And uh, you were the Deputy Chief of Staff and I was the Chief of Staff of 15 Brigade. Now, it sounds like that was uh, one way around, but actually Alistair was the one who was the smarter, brighter one, as you can tell, because he went on to have a very successful career, become a, a Major General, and also then go on into business and do very well in the last three years. So Alistair, great to have you on the series. Um, we were talking about inspiring leaders. Who who would be the one that you'd pick and what qualities did you admire in him that you think are worth people uh, taking on some of the best of that? For me, it's always been, whenever I've asked that question, it's always been Slim. It
1: sounds a bit trite to... to, um, And tell people who were into the military um, who Slim was. uh, Field Marshal Slim uh, commanded uh, out in the Far East during the Second World War, defeat into victory. He was an individual that took an army that was in tatters. Turned it around, um, and mainly due mainly due to behaviours, mainly due to um, will, morale, those sorts of issues, and and turned that army into a highly successful organisation. Um, and so I compare him with our two great generals, you know, Slim or or, or Montgomery. Um, uh, and I'm a Slim man, and I think you're either one or the other. Um, yeah, Slim was very much about people. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, and and that's why he's my he's my sort of. Um, uh, I wouldn't say hero, but he's the no. one I try and base what I do
0: on. And what was Monty like, and, and that you try not to be like?
1: Uh, well, i I, um, I might be maybe over over exaggerating, but one gets the impression Monty was uh, an individual that stood in front of the troops and said, "This is how it's going to be. You believe in me, and it'll all work." Uh, Slim was an individual that I believe was, um, "This is how it's going to be because I believe in you, and mm. you're going to make this work." And 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 it was about the troops. Uh, it wasn't about have faith in me. It was mm-hmm. I have faith in you, yeah. uh, and and that's and I think it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's not even a nuance. That's a really key difference between uh, how one can lead.
0: Yeah, no, and um, people won't know, but you, you had a, a phenomenal career, and I was particularly ad- admire the fact that you were the officer commanding five nine Royal Engineer Commando. Um, so you had to do some pretty tough tough stuff. And and also you worked in a part of the army which was called resources and programs, and you went back there a number of times. And that was always almost the cutting edge of some of the more uh, challenging and intellectual roles. But they needed people who were down to earth and understood how the army worked. Also, you commanded a brigade, an engineer brigade, and then as a major general, you're looking after all the basing and infrastructure. So some great roles. And now... And now you've come into, into business and you're looking at big infrastructure projects again in, in business, which is particularly challenging, but we need people who can do big programs. Um, as well as all the successes, we all make lots of mistakes. And yes. there's a competition, but I know I've made way more than you not have. Not true. So <clears throat> if you look back at something as a leader, because uh, people have said you're Australia. so this isn't you saying you're you know, I know you are and, and others have said so, which is always makes it easy, you don't have to brag. Um, in the mistake that you've mistakes that you've made, would you pick one out, and what was the lesson that you learned, which has shaped h- h- how you responded to that and got over that problem? Here's the story. Uh, the um, <clears throat> I mean the
1: list is huge, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll pick one that um, that springs to mind and is actually quite recent. I always tried to treat um, everyone the same, whether I was Briefing ministers or, or royalty, or indeed uh, talking to someone who is on the guard, uh, and it's it's a skill to do that. And you had it as well. Just in case anyone else doesn't know, you absolutely had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, it's it, it is a skill, and you need to work at it. There are some there are some le- lessons like uh, you've got to keep in the back of your mind, uh, which are uh, never underestimate. Uh, an off-the-cuff quip that yeah. you, in in your sort of um, bubble, as you're wandering around, uh, you make a, a, a wee joke to someone who you don't meet very often. In fact, if it's a, a regimental brigade level, it's probably the, the only time you'll meet them. Um, and you make a little joke which, which sort of takes the mickey, which is quite humorous in your bubble. But that's the only time that that individual's met someone who he perceives or she perceives to be a a, a serious individual in, in their lives. Um, and it can have profound effects. Uh, and I've tried to do that throughout, and um, I got that wrong only in a matter of months ago. Uh, and a, a good friend of mine actually said, Alistair, do you know that particular individual that you sent such and such to was in tears? I got it, utterly, yeah. utterly mortified. Um, and of course the first thing I did was next morning rush straight back in. Um, ask could I have a word off to one side and and plead forgiveness and and, I'm really sorry, etc. And I now have a far better relationship with that individual as a result of that happening, but it shouldn't happen in the first place. So that, um, you know, it's a constant thought you've got to have in the back of your mind as you're wandering around. Because as leaders, you have to be visible. Um, Just be cognizant of the impact that words, which to you are
0: um, routine, Mm. to others have significant meaning. Yeah, I think it's, it reminds me of uh, Annette Barnes, who was the CEO of Lloyd's Private Bank. She uh, was on the series recently, and she talked about the fine time that she went to one of the execs with some papers when she was quite junior, and uh, was a bit in fear and trepidation, went in and, mm. and uh, said, look, you know, I've put these papers over. There's no one on the front desk. Who should I give them to? She went, put it over there. And I was like, and she felt so small. Yeah. And she said, I will never do that. She then became one of the execs, and she's made yeah. a point. I'm never doing it. And in, indeed, in the feedback from her video, lots of people said, you know, you really were inspiring. You cared about people. Yeah. And you definitely did. I, I saw that, I think we were together about two years, weren't we, yeah, uh, right. in York. Mm. And, and and you always had such a sense of fun. But also, I always admired you because you, you kept me on my edge as far as keeping fit. And you, you always, fitness has always been a big part. And, and you and Alice have two lovely sons. And one of your sons, I think, is a triathlon uh, Yeah, he's not he's bad. A champion, not he? He's not bad. He's, yeah. um, at the moment, he's ranked 48th in the
1: world. Wow. So he's not bad.
0: And how old is he now?
1: 22. Wow. I that's... hope he's 22. He might be 23. We'll so <laughs> be in trouble with Alice. That, that's great. And what are you doing to keep fit? So uh, I have um, knee issues from the joys of all of the various things that one does in our careers. Uh, so I'm, I essentially have to have new knees. So I won't have new knees until... Wow. As late as possible, try and let technology get better, etc. Yeah. So I cycle, and I swim. Yes. Um, and uh, clearly, I can't keep up with my boys. Yeah. But um, whenever I'm travelling around, I, I I ask, can I be put in somewhere that's at least got a swimming pool or a proper bike yeah. that I can
0: I can do some spinning on. That's fantastic. So that's how I do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're looking in great shape. And what would be um, what would be the last, perhaps, a couple of tips that you'd give to to listeners who are who are listening to the series? Things that you've. You have found pragmatic advice you've had that you could pass on, because these are people at all levels from, you know, people who are yeah. uh, just left university, um, aspiring to get on to senior roles. Some are in the military, some most are, most are in, in business. Mm. What, what advice would you pass on? So I think um, the way that I'd look at it is, is
1: leadership th- throughout the 36 years that I was um, hopefully trying to practice uh, in the army career, and then since. Um, for me, it's got different as one moves through, but there is one consistent theme, which is um, you have to do your job well. Um, so, for example, if you're a young troop commander and you're, it's your job to navigate across Dartmoor, doesn't matter how good a bloke you are whether you buy 30 beers in the in the um or, or health fitness drinks nowadays in in wherever it is you go afterwards if you make them walk an extra 10 miles because you can't do your job or you can't navigate then you're not going to do well as a leader yeah. so do understand, you understand your current job then there's the the next stage is the inspiration part of it and, and those sorts of issues so at the level that i'm at now i look at five things and i'm looking at An organisation, and they're not mine. They're a chap called Galbraith, and he said, make sure that there's a proper structure, make sure that you've got the right um, processes in place, make sure you've got the right people in place, um, make sure you've got the right strategy in place, and make sure you've got the right rewards Mm. for those people. So essentially, you need to reward people um, to use the processes that hits the structure. That then delivers a strategy, and that—that's
0: the job at our
1: level, making Brilliant. that happen.
0: great Alistair. As always, great words of wisdom. Thank you very Good much. See you. Fantastic having you on the series. Cheers. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman Perks, and welcome back to this um, fascinating discussion I'm having with Major General Alistair Dickinson. And uh, Alistair, I'm really interested in. So early life and what shaped you, um, who shaped you, the kind of influence of your parents, the values you have now. Tell us a bit about that. Um, my, uh, certainly my parents
1: shaped me without any shadow of a doubt. My mm. father owned a business in Manchester when I was in my um, sort of early noughts, as yep. it were, if that's what we call it, the noughties. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got to the age of, I was at the age of about seven or eight and he was compulsory purchased. Uh, so he closed down his business and he said, right, children, we're moving from Cheshire. We're going to live in Yorkshire and we're going to uh, renovate houses as a family. And, um, and then we're going to sell them on and move to the next one. So we always had a house. We never really had a home as far as my mother was concerned. Mm. Um, and we all had roles. So I was the chippy. So I could knock up a, a three by two stud wall um, at oh, yeah. the age of about sort of eight or nine. Um, my brother was a plumber. My dad was a sparky. My sister, I think she say she make the tea. That was a bit unfair. She did a lot of painting, wow. uh, so that's what the family did. I um, that. And uh, no, I don't. I didn't share that with you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, having moved. One of the things that we did just before we moved, so just before we moved, my father said, I think you should go to King's School, Macclesfield. Um, And to get into King's School, Macclesfield required some entrance exams to be passed. And I spent uh, an autumn term finishing school uh, at Broken Cross and then going straight to a lovely lady, I can see her now called Mrs. Horton. Uh, and Mrs. Horton used to teach me for an hour and a half after school to, to, to a point where I could pass this entrance exam to King's School. I got in at King's School. My dad was compulsory purchased. And a term later, we moved. So I did all that work, got, to, got no. to that level, and we moved. And when I went to school up in Yorkshire... Where were you in Yorkshire? Uh,
0: Halifax. No. Before. Do you know, I was, I was living in Halifax most of my life. You will see. We should have named yeah. you. you probably probably be yeah. crossing the grammar yeah. school. Okay. And, and yeah. Manaheep. So I was rich with... Yeah, Rich, oh, Rich was very school, very good school. Oh, they were all super smart. Yeah, we were we were a bit thick and we yeah, just played yeah. rugby.
1: Brian Moore was with us at school. He was. So yeah. he was with my brother's year. So my brother hooked against Brian Moore at ah, cool. Um and I used to play for Crossley and Porter's old boys, which is sort of set a lot of old yeah, other, I never knew yeah. so we, um so we sort of um, Halifax yeah. Moved up to Halifax. Where, where in Halifax were you living? A uh, place called Barkisland. Yes, I know Barkisland. And in fact, Crumlin, which is yeah. even smaller, there's a big chapel at the top of Crumlin yeah. looking over, the, and yeah.
0: that was one of the places we converted. Yeah, yeah. My friend Roger Greenwood lives at uh, lived at Barkisland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Hall. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Um,
1: so uh, when I got to this next school, I was, you know, I was a bit, um, I was, I was a bit ahead of the age group that they put me in. So they moved me up, and I ended up being. Uh, Anyway, it worked out that I did 11 plus at nine, O levels at 14, A levels at 16, sort of that's how it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And at 14, I went to uh, my father at 14, sadly, became bankrupt. Oh, no, no. And uh, and the thing I learnt about my dad was my dad would have given you the shirt off his back, and he yeah. literally did. Well, you were the same. You're the yeah. same. Well, so and, and I'd like to think that.
0: No, you are. Um, you are.
1: Uh, so that that uh, wow. that ethos of everything goes to my kids was was absolutely I, I got from my father.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, and my mother because it was a team effort, as it were. Uh, so. I, Dad said to me, you're going to have to go and get some scholarships. If you want to stay at the school, you need some scholarships. So I got a scholarship from the school um, to really? a certain man. And one of the scholarships I got was the Army scholarship. And the small print did was you, you, you had to join. Yeah. The small print was you had to join. Um, and so I joined the Army.
0: My mother was utterly gutted. Because you would be then secure. I mean, I remember who else I was talking to? Somebody else did a scholarship Nick Pope. Nick Pope, and and he said, you know, at that age, like at about seventeen or sixteen, you had a secure career mapped out it was if bizarre. you wanted.
1: Yeah. So at fifteen years old, I had a
0: job to fifty-five. Yeah,
1: in theory. Um, and people, people have said, I've I've heard other quite senior generals say, how on earth can you spot at fifteen years old uh, how people are going to behave? And so someone said, okay, how many people around the Army Board are scholars? And there were four of us. Really? Yeah. Just. Wow, which tells a story, really, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's rather like
0: um, junior soldiers in the days of junior soldiers. Yeah, you look at the percentage that made WO one. Yeah, that's no, no, it's no, very true. And even O type. I mean, Tim Evans did an O type. O types yeah. were really successful. And even X rankers. So people like um, uh, Jim Richardson. Began as a private soldier, went up. Um, Chris Wakeley, who I had on, uh, he he began as an engineer, a private yeah. soldier, went up to full colonel. Yeah. Now a KPMG partner and set his own business up. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, people like General John Stokoe began as a, as, a, as a signalman, went all the way up to yeah. to major general. So I think it's really good that, that beginning early, catch so, them catch them early. Yeah, so uh, I agree. I think that's that's um, that's an important part of it. I. Uh, but also having to go for all these scholarships and also uh, for, was it King's School, do you say? Uh, well, King's School no, was... No, a, the first school that you went to. In King's India. School. The- there was this, perhaps there's this sort of having to achieve tough things, and you, you carried on going for tough things. I mean, going to the commandos, you know, very few get in. and mm. You went for it. Mm. You know... Perhaps you've always pushed yourself. Loved it. I my
1: my um my early years, because of course there wasn't much going on in the early years of our career, was there? In you know, the eighties. It was only in yeah. the Falklands and then the rest of it was was pretty much waiting for the inner in inner German border to kick off. Um and so the army spent a lot of um, a lot of put a lot of emphasis on sport. Yeah. So I used to I played a lot of water polo. Um, yes, you I was did. a regimental water polo player, then became a corps, then army and, and and I was lucky enough to play for the well, the combined services for oh, really? a, few, a number of years, and I still now meet um, those that team. So the three six engineer regiment team that I played in in 83-84 yeah. gather once, twice a year, and we still. And I'm on the WhatsApp, and I get loads of hassle because yeah. I, I was the Rodney, yeah. the officer, etc, etc. And I was Ginger. Yeah, and all of those things which well, you know nowadays, you think, no, you can't say that all at once.
0: But one of the things, I, uh, many things I admired about you, but one of the things was you were clearly when we worked together, you were very competitive, but not in, in a way that you put me down. You always actually solved the problem and filled the gap when I hadn't thought of something. I was probably as I look back now a bit ashamed that I was sort of. Too ambitious, a bit too striving to please others, and and in a way that backfired on me, I think. But but you were ambitious, but yet you cared about the soldiers, and you were sort of a team player. And I think maybe your sports and the water polo taught you to be a team player rather than a you know a, a selfish individual. P- possibly, I think. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I could put a, a specific.
1: Reason behind it, but uh, but I, my wife Alice, who is knows me better than I know myself, frankly, she always will say, You put yourself down, and for those of you that know you, it's fine, for the people that don't know you,
0: they'll just accept what you say. Uh, my own, yeah, and stay with that because it, it, it you have got humility, and, and this is why you know the right inspired leaders on this series have humility. Uh, and I do meet certain CEOs and leaders when I say to them, when was the last time you were dead wrong? They go, do you know what? I, I can't think of a time. And you go, that's a problem. That is a problem. If you can't think of a time when you were wrong, it's really won't." But a number of them do. There's they, sort of supreme self-confidence. If they want your opinion, they'll give it to you, this kind of stuff. Yes. But, but um, someone once said, this, this lovely one, that it's, um, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's, uh, it, it's thinking of yourself less. So that you're thinking of other people and, and you have that quality, you know, and, and you talked about the impact that you had on that lady and then you went back and apologized. Yes. Yeah. Many others wouldn't do that. Oh, it's her problem. You know, and they yeah. seriously would. They wouldn't yeah. do that. But so, so how do you keep that humility? What's your reminder? Um, looking at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. It's as simple as that.
1: So I will I will absolutely um, not change the way I am, even if it means that I don't get on. As far, it's I've done well enough so far. Mm. It's got me. Uh, Before we turned the mic on, I was saying, you know, the army will discover me to be the incompetent buffoon I am in the very next rank, and I always thought that would be the case. And I managed to get out of each rank without being discovered, as it were. (laughs) And 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 that's an opinion. And everyone goes, I understand. You know, that's that's not how it is. But if if that that um, that uh, inner. not lack of confidence but that inner check on yourself is always a useful tool yeah. to have
0: so now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed what are you going to do next if you want to get some more free material go to my website jonathanperks.com or follow me on linkedin Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership, and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch, or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.